0: So much older than I'm younger than that
1: now this is growing Boulder I'm Mark Middleton you know growing Boulder is a mindset that celebrates the opportunity of extra years and challenges the ageist stereotypes that keep us all from living with passion. Purpose and Possibility. I interviewed Tipa Snow in Ocala, Florida yesterday, and I'll share that interview in a future show, but I mention her here because her work as an advocate for Alzheimer's and dementia care is something that we can all learn from and apply to our own lives. Tipa is a pioneer. Over the past 40 years, she's created a positive approach to dementia care that's now being used by many senior living operators and families worldwide. She's worked to destigmatize a dementia diagnosis, just as Growing Bolder works to destigmatize aging in general. And the big broad strokes takeaway is this. We all have the ability to experience joy in our lives, no matter our challenges. Unfortunately, many of those with dementia are surrounded by people who don't understand how to care for them, people who make them feel guilty for forgetting, afraid of what's next people who cause them to withdraw and focus on what's been lost instead of focusing on what remains our culture does the exact same thing to all of us as we age it makes us regret each year it feeds our fears about growing older it encourages us to withdraw because our time is past well here's a difficult but important mind shift that we all need to make we need to understand that a moment at 80 or 90 Or even 100 can be filled with as much wonder, beauty, and joy as a moment at 20 or 40. Of course, how we spend that moment will change, but its value does not. Our culture wants us to look at life like sand through an hourglass. The less sand that remains on top, the less valuable our lives become. We need to reprogram ourselves to look at the value of age as additive. The longer we live, the more valuable we become. As the wisdom and experience gained from a long life falls to the bottom of the hourglass, our lives can become richer and more rewarding. We have to begin looking at life as coming to us, not leaving us as we grow older. Sure, our time to do certain things, to have certain abilities might have passed or be passing, but our time to enjoy life, to be grateful for each day, to live in the moment, never passes. So let's get with it. The three simple keys to active longevity are diet, exercise, and mindset. And our first guest is a powerful combination of all three. She's a world class chef, a fitness expert, and a motivational speaker who runs a successful vegan restaurant called Stuff I Eat in Inglewood, California. Her message is as powerful as is her ability to deliver it, which is why she, a 72-year-old great-grandmother, is a major Instagram and TikTok influencer with large followings on both platforms. She is Babette Davis, known to millions simply as Chef Babette. Chef, thanks for growing bolder, and let's start with your diet because it seems to be a guiding factor in all you do. What led you to a plant-based diet?
0: Thanks for for asking that question. I I, I love sharing um, this story. I met my husband, Rondell Davis, in the spring of 1990. My birthday is in December. I was going to turn 40 in December. And I met him, and our first date was um, actually a trip to Griffith park and uh, we were going to, I was supposed to be walking the hills at Griffith park. And he ran the whole thing backwards. And I thought to myself, this is pretty impressive. Um, just the inclines are really wearing me out. And this man is running this thing backwards. And after the workout, he made my first vegan meal for me. Um, And I normally had massive issues whenever I ingested food. First of all, I I knew absolutely nothing about food combining. And I was just eating the standard American diet with lots of sugar, lots of fat, just not correct for me. And uh, this guy made this amazing meal. I felt amazing. After I ate it, he gave me two books, Fit for Life volumes one and two by Harvey and Marilyn diamond and the mucusless diet healing system by professor Arnold Eric. And um, I changed pretty much overnight. I transitioned Mm. very, very quickly um, and um, have not stopped moving since. And that was in 1990. I was about to be 40 years old.
1: So You know, it's interesting because I think a lot of people come to it. I am not a vegan. I, I it, many times I wish that, that I were, but I haven't had a piece of red meat since I read a book called Animal Liberation back in 1970. And and, and I think that you know some of us come to our diet for ethical reasons, some for yeah. health reasons. But sooner or later, it all blends together because you learn more about the other side. Uh, and I know you are also concerned about the, the ethical side of of what you eat, aren't you?
0: Yeah. I believe that life begets life, death begets death. I believe that the intelligence that created all of this, we are mere expressions of that intelligence, and it gave us the food that we're supposed to eat. And um, humans can live without slaughtering other sentient beings to nourish themselves. So I, um, I went hard with that, and um, I mean that because I know that I can eat an apple. I can eat a handful of nuts, and they can be a meal for me. I'm not gluttonous. I'm not into massive. Like, my soul food platter at Stuff I Eat is just way far too much food for me. Our menu at Stuff I Eat is pretty much... um, we like to say that it it just kind of helps people transition. It's more of a transitional menu, if you will. So um, yeah, just taking care of the whole is I feel like my responsibility as um, this journey in human form. And uh, the planet happens to be my home and every being on this planet has a purpose. It, they, they, too, are expressions of the greatness that created all of this. And uh, if there is a diet for me which says I don't have to murder and slaughter other beings, then I prefer that diet.
1: What do you eat? Because I know when people say that they have a plant-based diet, you know, some people eat this, but not that. Uh, what does Babette Davis eat? What does your diet consist of?
0: You know, I am very, it doesn't take a lot of bulk for me. I strive uh, to get nutrition from that which I ingest. That's most important to me is the nutrients. So I generally start my day off by juicing. And I love uh, chlorophyll juices, a lot of green drinks. Like I said, I can make a handful of nuts a meal. I can... <laughs> Fruit is a meal, um, leafy veggies like today. uh, um, I have I have a friend that I I, I promised I'd make a casserole for. So what I did was I got portobello mushrooms, tempeh, uh, because this person is not vegan, bell pepper, green onion and some uh, vegan uh, mozzarella cheese. And I'm going to layer that up and make this person a casserole. Mm And I bought red kale, so I chopped the red kale, made an incredible balsamic blueberry dressing for it, and uh, it's going to be an incredible meal. Now, that's a lot of food for me, because normally it just doesn't take that. I, I usually juice 32-ounce jars of juice. I do two for my husband, and I usually do two or three for myself, and... um yeah, I'm good to go for the rest of the day. Plus, I try to get a workout in at least 5 days a week, at least 5 days a week so I can make the choice depending on how I feel and what I have to do. But um yeah, that that's eating is very simple for me. It's not a big deal. I don't make it a big deal. Nutrition
1: I want to get to your to your to your workout in in a second, but but to, to kind of wrap up the food thing at least for now. So no eggs, no dairy, nothing with a face.
0: No, completely, completely, and totally vegan, and have been that way since nineteen ninety. Yeah, no, um, no, no eggs, no nothing from an animal, no.
1: Uh, as, as much as we're trying to help people who don't know understand who you are, let's help them understand who you are not if, if we can. Because, you know, at Growing Bolder, we always try to share the stories of ordinary people because it's really ordinary people that are relatable. Those are the ones that we believe have the power to change others' lives. Because I think there's far too many people out there, Babette, that want to dismiss something as uh, unapproachable to them. Oh, I can't be like Babette because she's some sort of genetic super freak. You are not that, are you?
0: I am not. I am not. A very humble beginnings. And uh, believe it or not, when I read those books um, in 1990, Fit for Life and uh, The Mucusless Diet, just completely and totally changed my perspective on um, food and eating. And so for me, I wrapped it up and, and I just conclude that knowledge is power. And so that, that was in 1990. It is 2023. I am now 72 years old. And I don't look back. And I don't even have a primary care physician. I take no medications. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm having a good quality of life, which is massively important to me. Uh, longevity has its place, but I don't want to be here till I'm 102 laying flat on my back for the next 30 years. No, thank you. I need to have quality. That's why movement is so important and nourishment.
1: We're talking to Chef Babette, Babette Davis. uh, And and if you read about Babette in the media, and if you haven't, you will. I think almost everybody describes you, Babette, as, as, quote, defying the laws of aging, looking decades younger than you are, surprisingly attractive for a 72-year-old woman. And here's my problem with that, uh, and I suspect you've got the same issue. Now, I hate it when somebody says, 70 is the new 50, or 60 is the new 40, because I say, no, 60 is the new 60. Uh, we have to change the definition of what 60 and 72 and 82 can be. And I've read that when people compliment you for looking younger than your age, you say, no, this is exactly what my age is supposed to look like. Tell me that you say that, because I love it.
0: You're so on point. You are so on point. I am doing nothing extra special and and you know a lot of people say oh you're so you inspire me well that's good because as I inspire you you inspire me to keep going self-love and self-care is everything this this human journey is to me a gift it's 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 a beautiful beautiful gift and for as long as I can walk this walk and and be an expression of that which created all of this, as long as I can do that, and it just takes me to love me to be able to do that, then that's exactly what I plan to do. I am looking, as far as I am concerned, exactly the way a 72 year old is supposed to look. There are no there's no magic pills I'm taking. There's nothing but the fact that I love me. I love me. I love this gift of life, and I want to experience it for as long as I possibly can and be able to move myself. I really do not want my granddaughter to have to come and take care of me. I do not.
1: <laughs> and this is why your your message is so great. But as you know, Babette, we live in this Ages culture that has all of us believing that at 72, I mean, you're only four or five years from, you know, what, what statistics will tell you, you'll be dead. So most people just ingest this ages messaging and, and don't believe that they can look like you, they can be like you. And you mentioned, uh, uh, you know, your gift a minute ago. I, and I have to tell you, and I hope this doesn't sound creepy when I say it, but you gave everybody a gift when you posed for photos on your 70th birthday. Um <coughs> Uh, you, you, uh, you 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 did, um, uh, yeah. And and folks, she had some professional photos taken, and it wasn't the photographer that made these photos great. It was the subject. But uh, you were in a tankini. I'm not sure what your motivation was, but I but I do know what the response was. I mean, these photos went viral. Suddenly, it's all anybody was talking about. Yeah, were you surprised?
0: I was surprised because my my granddaughter and my daughter had found a picture of me. I was I don't even know how old I was but they were like, "Man, you should do a photo shoot for your 70th birthday. You still look pretty good. You know, you look about as good as you looked back then when you took this picture in the bathing suit." And I didn't want to put a bikini on that year. I was being a little, oh, I don't know if I should go out in a bikini. And um so I found this bathing suit that just worked, you know, and and went ahead and did it and trust me, I did not really realize I look like that until those pictures were done well, it worked and posted. I had no clue. I looked exactly like that. So I do understand why the, the pictures went viral. Uh, the body looked really, really good for just my normal workouts. Um, and and I, I could see where people would probably be like, she is lying. She is not seven, 70 years old. I got a lot of that that year. But um, yeah, it just made me very, very happy. And it also put a stamp on the fact that loving oneself and caring... Look, my my journey is like a play. I am the star in that play. And I have to make sure that the star stays star ready. And uh, <laughs> that... that... <laughs> and so basically, I, that that's what I work on. Come on now, life is good. I, I'm i still running hills. I did a hundred push-ups for my birthday, this my 72nd birthday, in my restaurant, in front of customers. And to be able to continue to use this incredible body well into my 70s is just such a massive gift. I mean, come on now, what, an, what a human experience, isn't it?
1: Yes, what an experience from a woman who has been collecting experiences and helping others find the way to become experienced collectors themselves. When we return, Chef Babette on her fitness routine and her belief system about aging. And a little later, a 60s rock star still rocking in his 80s, and one of my favorite examples of adaptation and accommodation, an important key to squeezing the most out of our lives. We're also going to talk to some docs who say a new model for primary care is the ultimate win-win for them and most importantly for their patients. This is Growing Bolder.
2: support for growing Boulder provided by Advent Health Well 65 plus primary care designed for those on Medicare or Medicare Advantage plans featuring 30 to 60 minute appointments and 24-hour care team access from a nationally renowned network. Advent Health well 65 plus primary care that gets better with age.
1: Welcome back to Growing Boulder. I'm Mark Middleton. Let's get back now to our conversation with Chef Babette, the 72-year-old grandmother whose inspirational health journey is helping to change the perception about what it means to act your age. We mentioned that, that your diet obviously is a big part of of your vitality, of your energy, of your message. But there are two other parts, at least. There's your fitness routine and there's your belief system. And I'll kind of wrap self-love into your belief system. You've mentioned that. We'll get to more of that in a second. But let's do talk about your, your fitness routine, which I'm guessing is kind of a fitness regime. What do you do?
0: So now I'm working out with Dr. Shabnam Islam. And um, she's Making me stretch more. That is an area where I have fallen very short. And I'd like to say to anyone listening, stretch. It is the key. It is the key to um, staying youthful. You got to move. You got to bend. You got to stretch. So I'm doing a lot of that now. Um, But I've still got my cardio going. I do the stairs in Santa Monica at least once a week. Any kind of outdoor, like I'll go over to Kennethon Park and I'll run the entire park. I got about an hour run that I do that includes a lot of inclines. I love running heels. It's very important. It forces you to breathe. And then the rest is in Dr. Islam's little uh, gym in her garage. And whatever she has me doing, that's what I'm doing. But I try to get at least five days in, a couple hours a day. And uh, that's where I am right now and loving it.
1: You know, it's interesting that you mentioned flexibility. I, I read a an article years ago that has always stuck with me, and it was it was written by a physiologist, a kinesiologist who was working with Olympic athletes. And his point was that the strength of a muscle really has nothing to do uh, with the size of the muscle. It has to do with the amount that the muscle can contract. Yes. And that if you want your muscle to contract more, at least in terms of functional strength, which is what we mm-hmm. need as we mm-hmm. grow older. So uh, you have to lengthen your muscle in order to give it more room to contract. You know, I, I love that. Do you do yoga? Do you do Tai Chi? Do you do any of that stuff?
0: Yoga is... Um I just started with yoga. I'm going to tell you the honest to God truth. I I really want to be honest with you. When my husband and I, we married uh, in 1992, and I I, I used to sit up and watch this man. He was always on the floor stretching. He's 75 now. He can still put his feet behind his neck. Hmm. And I would always look at him and say, wow, that's a great stretch. But I would never ever do it. And he would be like, you really need to stretch more. And now that I'm 72, he's right. I should have. It's hard. But guess what? Nobody is going to do this for me, but me. And so it's got to start somewhere. Like I said on Tamron Hall, may I please be able to get down and tie my shoe at 90 and get back up? I don't wanna wear the life alert. I don't wanna have to call anybody to come and get me up off the floor. I wanna be able to pull myself up. I also believe being able to balance is so important. I test my balance every single day, every day. I make sure that my balance is good. So I, I lived with a mother who made her transition at age 93. And, um, my mother just lost everything double knee replacement. she just had no not good mobility, you know, and I watched her. she was sharp until she had the stroke, which we know there there's a clog somewhere. where's she getting the clog from? Where are the clogs? your arteries clog up, blood flow doesn't get to where it needs to go. We got strokes, heart attacks. Those things were important to me, and I paid attention to all of those older people and how their lives were prior to transitioning. And uh, I just made the decision that I can do something about this. It's not going to be my reality. I'm going to move. And so far as the stretching is concerned, it's never too late to start this is my now. So I don't have to worry about I didn't do it before. And I don't have to worry about should I wait till six months from now to do it? This is my now. So this is when I start.
1: You know, and, and we're all made so much better, Babette, by, by the fact that you know, you have taken this on as a purpose, uh, as a message, because I think there's a lot of people that come to the realization that, you know, I'm responsible and I've got I've to gotta do this, but very few then step up and help others do it as well. And I think we all learned in the pandemic that none of us want to end up in a nursing home. Uh, none of us want to end up in assisted living if we can avoid it. And, and And to your point, we are all our own primary care provider. We're the only ones that can make ourselves do what needs to be done.
0: Yes, sir. You're right. You're absolutely right. We're it. We're it. You know, during Boulder, we
1: always say, and I know you feel the same thing, you know, what the mind believes, the body embraces, whatever we put into our mind is going to end up in our body. Our psychology drives our physiology. Say it however you want to say it. But our belief system about what's possible is critically important to creating what's possible. Uh, Where do you land with that in in terms of imagining a better future? Do you you think uh, do you have do you have a different vision of your next 10 years than you used to have?
0: You know, I'm at 72 and 28, and I wind up with this number 100. And I always say to myself, I want you right now to stay current, stay present. Do everything that you can to be in a good space right here, right now. I know that in 28 years, I'll be 100 years old. And that's great if I'm hanging around that long. But in the meantime, each and every step of this journey, I am going to make sure that they're good steps. That's on me. That's not on anybody else. It has nothing to do with the next 10 years. None of that. That's right here, right now. I am happy with me. There are no complaints. I have no complaints with my life. I could probably have more substance in terms of money. That would probably, you know, help out a lot. But if there was no such thing as money, I'm wealthy as hell. I want you to understand that. At 72 years old, I am living my best, best moments right now in terms of knowledge. I understand my thoughts need to be pure and I should only see for myself what I desire and just keep it positive, keep it fresh, stay away from hanging out in the past and don't move too far in the future. And what you want to get back. Please put that out. Put that out and make sure your thoughts are pure. Because, baby, this this experience, you will experience whatever it is you say you desire to experience. You will experience it. And that
1: is true. The preacher. Yes. But Davis. Is there a Babette Davis takeaway? Is there something about life in general that you've learned that that, that you'd like for the rest of us to know?
0: You know, I guess um, basically for me is the fact that um, I went through a lot on this human journey Uh, from the time I was a, a little girl. I've been through a lot. I've endured a lot, if you will. And I believe the reason my life is so beautiful today is because I embraced love. I know that I was created in and of love. So to be able to heal from all of that garbage, I needed to embrace love. My message to the whole is let's maintain the oneness. Let's be one as we truly are. It does not matter about complexions. The beauty of the human experience is that we're all over this gorgeous planet and we, we're raised differently. We have different uh, ways that we eat or the way that we care for ourselves or the way that we enhance our beauty and the way that we speak. All of those things, all of those things, we bring together as one. And we embrace each other and we love each other. And we learn, when you love, you learn to forgive. I believe it's important for us to realize what our history was. history It's very important so that we don't make the same mistakes again. So for those people that are trying to get rid of history, that is a terrible mistake. You need to know what it was like so that you, if you liked it, good. We can continue that. If it was not good, we'll never do that again. So for me, my main message is remember that you are only one with this whole thing that created all of this. There, There is no separation. There is no separation. If you took the outside off, you wouldn't know who or what color I was. So for me, love is the message of the day. Love is the only thing that's going to get us through. We've got some bumps in the road right now that are just really ugly and messy and and we're frightened. We're wallowing in fear. All we have to do is take a deep breath and understand the gift of love (laughs) will heal all things.
1: Amen, wow. sister. You Isn't know, it? Uh, it. You know, a, a, a lot of people will talk the talk, but 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 very few, you know, walk the walk. Uh, you obviously have a powerful voice that 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 is authentic, and because of the authenticity, it, it is credible. You know, folks, if you need some serious inspiration. If you need some joy in your day, check out her Instagram and TikTok videos. Just search for Chef Babette. Uh, And if you need some delicious vegan soul food in Los Angeles, uh, Irvine, California, I think, hit up Stuff I Eat in Inglewood, California. There we go. Babette, thank you so much. I got to say, I agree with Babette. Love is the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. Never been knocked down and certainly never been knocked down.
3: Sweet little Sheila, you'll know her if you see her. Blue eyes and a ponytail. All
1: right, up next, for a time he was bigger than the Beatles. And today, more than 60 years later, he's making music with no plans to slow down.
2: Sign up for the Growing Boulder Insider newsletter, delivered to your inbox every week. Be the first to see our latest interviews, stories and tips for making each day count. Sign up today at growingboulder.com. Miss an episode of Growing Boulder Radio? Subscribe to our podcast and get it on your mobile device. Details
1: at growingboulder.com/podcasts. Welcome back to Growing Boulder. You might not remember the name Tommy Rowe, but you will remember his music, especially if you grew up in the 1960s. He had 27 songs that made it into the top 30 hits like Sheila, Sweet Pea, and Dizzy. He was so big that when he staged a tour of England in 1963, his opening act was a band named The Beatles. Bill Schaefer takes us Boulder backstage
3: to meet Tommy Rowe. Yeah, I'm still at it. Can you believe it? <laughs> I can't give it up. I love what I do, Bill.
2: In the 60s, Tommy Rowe was one of the most prolific and successful recording artists anywhere. In fact, when the Beatles and Stones were climbing the charts, this guy was right there with them. He had 27 songs that reached the top 30, including this one that went all the way to number one.
0: Never knew a girl like a
2: little Sheila. Her name drives me insane. When Sheila hit, he was just 20 years old with next to no experience. But suddenly, he was a star.
3: I was not a professional entertainer. I had a hit record, had a number one record in the country with Sheila. But I'd never performed professionally before, so I was like learning on the job.
2: And the hits just kept coming. And not just in the U.S., Rowe was a worldwide hit. In 1963, he was sent
3: to tour England, and you won't believe who opened for him. And there was a featured act called The Beatles. <laughs> and they were way down at the bottom of, of the uh, program, you know. That was an, really an incredible thing. I, I, always, I used to joke with John. I said, you know, John, it's because of our tour, you guys are where you are, you know. And he said... Oh, yeah! wait a minute.
2: (laughs) Tommy saw how the crowds went wild for the Beatles. He knew his record label would want to sign them, so he personally took their music straight to the boss.
3: And he said, well, give me the record. Let me hear what you got, you know. So I pulled the album out. He put it on the turntable, dropped the needle on the first cut. I think it was Love Me Do. Played a few bars, took the needle up, and said, I tell you what, kid, that's got to be the worst piece of crap I've ever heard in my life says, let us be the talent scouts. You are a great artist. We have you a nice room over at the Waldorf Astoria. Go over there and write us some more hits and let us find the talent.
2: But the Beatles appreciated Tommy's efforts and wanted to return the favor.
3: Brian Epstein contacted my manager and asked if I would open the show for their first American concert in Washington DC, February 11th, 1964.
2: It was the only time the Beatles ever had an opening act, and it was Tommy Rowe. Roe was a major star when he made a decision that shocked everyone.
3: Yeah, I was about to get drafted. You know, we had the draft back then, and that was in the middle of the Vietnam thing. And uh, so to keep from getting drafted, and I would lose two years of my career, I decided to join the Army Reserve. And so right after the concert in Washington, D.C. with the Beatles, that spring, after that in 64, I went into boot camp.
2: While he was in the reserves, the U.S. was into the British invasion. It could have been the end of Tommy's career. He knew he needed a hit to keep it going, and like his others, he'd have to write it himself.
3: So when I got out of the service, they took me in the studio. We recorded Sweet Pea, released it, and it became a huge hit. Put me back in the charts. And um, I was very fortunate to be able to do that. And I don't think I could have done it without being a writer, without writing my own material.
2: He was up against folk songs, protest songs, psychedelic songs. Yet in 1969, this is what topped the charts.
0: I'm so-
2: Dizzy went to number one in Canada, England, and America. In fact, it was one of the fastest rising songs in history. And USA Today named it as one of the top 100 tunes in rock. It was enough to make anybody dizzy.
3: Yeah, I was very fortunate. I was around a lot of drugs in the 60s. You know, it was just part of the fabric of the of the business back then. And uh, I never got into drugs. I wouldn't, I wouldn't know what it feels like and really don't want to know. <laughs> I had an attitude, I thought I was tough. You'd never see me smile, man, the hood was just too rough, too rough.
2: Drugs didn't get him, but the pressure to keep writing hits and constant life on the road did take its toll.
3: The marriage thing was very difficult. I was married three times my first wife I have a daughter from my first wife and we were kind of high school sweethearts and my second wife we were married for nine years she was from England and my third wife who passed away uh, 2020 Josette she was from France and we were married for 42 years so it took me three times to make it work
2: all in all it was a storybook career
3: but it's so hard to talk to you with fellas hanging around you all the time
2: and it's not over yet, because he never wants to stop.
3: It's just uh, the joy of doing it. I mean, I love doing this. I love making records. I love it working in the... We're in the studio now, in Michael's studio. And it's just an environment I feel comfortable in. And It's a creative environment. It's a very positive environment. Love you, love you, love you, can't you see?
2: Michael is Grammy-nominated producer Michael Franklin, who's known throughout the industry for helping former stars reignite the spark.
4: Are you talking about the first, drums first, 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 first drums? first drums,
2: yeah. Okay. Solar Studio is where legends of rock come to create quality music and turn back the clock while still moving forward.
3: I used to think 30 was really old. <laughs> I said, if I can make it to 30, that's going to be great, man. And here I am in 80 still doing it. It's, it's pretty incredible. 81's going on the new 80. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's what I like to say. I'm keeping it positive. <laughs> yeah, I turned 81 this year, and um, like I said, I have a passion for what I do. It's, it's all that I can really do well. I love working in the studio, and I love working with talented people, and Michael and Tim and all, all of his musicians are just the best to work with. Jelly tight. My, 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 my baby,
2: now but he is 81 and understands that the clock is ticking, which is why he knows exactly which way to keep looking.
3: God, you got to look forward, man. I mean, I have great memories, and I appreciate that history. I mean, that history is why I'm here today and who I am today. And all the relationships I've had, that's helped make me who I am today. The love in those relationships and the tragedy in those relationships. So the only way you can look at life is the next day, to be positive about your next step and about where you're going. I mean, look, if I have another 10, 15 years, I'll be very fortunate, but I'm going to do as much as I can in those 10 or 15 years to the best of my ability. Oh, I'm so dizzy, yeah. You're making me
1: man. That's such a great great song. song. (laughs) So much fun to play. (laughs) All right. Tommy Rowe is now 81 and still using his passion for music, writing, recording, and performing to connect with others. Did you know that many primary care medical practices book over 30 patients a day for each doctor who, after a 15-minute appointment, often just send you across town to see a specialist, Well, that's exactly why Advent Health created Well Sixty Five Plus primary care practices for those over sixty-five with longer appointment times and a complete care team all under one roof. The goal is better health outcomes for every patient. One thing that drew me to this patient population is their stories. Dr. Sashi Yoganan from the Well Sixty Five Plus practice in Winter Garden and their life experiences and having the time to sit down and really hear and listen to them. And it gives them that satisfaction that they're actually talking to someone who liked to hear that whole life story of theirs. So it gives me that satisfaction, knowing that I'm going to come to work every morning, I'm actually making a difference, and treating them, having the time to spend with them, and taking care of them the way they're supposed to take care of. Altamont Springs physician, Dr. Maria Gonzalez.
0: I really enjoy working with older adults. The experience that they have, what they bring when I speak to them. And there is kind of like a pace that the encounter has with older people that makes it very rewarding. And actually when they do surveys of doctors in terms of satisfaction, actually geriatricians are a very satisfied group of people. You get to do a lot of good, which is nice.
1: Doctor of Osteopathic Medicine, Paul Tran. The Well65 program was purposely built so that you have more time to spend with patients. And I I really do enjoy that because I I think in between taking care of medical illnesses, there's a lot of other things we need to address, as well as what's going on with life, how we structure our, our visits are either 30 minutes or an hour. And that allows us to, really know more about our patients, learn more about our patients, and also uh, allows us uh, time to bond and know each other so that we can take care of each other better. Altamont Springs Physician, Dr. Cheryl O. Oh.
0: All this time, I'm always frustrated with not having enough time and being rushed, you know, and I feel like I'm not getting everything that I want to do for them. Uh, Now I'm given more time, I'm able to do more things, I'm able to give more complete care that I wish I can get, or I hope I can get when I'm that age, you know? So I'm excited about that.
1: Well, 65-plus physicians, nurses, health coaches, and social workers all enjoy working with and taking their time with older adults, something that should be a given. The result whole-person care tailored to each individual. More information at AdventHealthWell65Plus.com. Up next, the man who overcame a debilitating disease to change the sport of cycling for all. This is Growing Bolder.
2: Stay connected to Growing Boulder for daily doses of hope, inspiration, and possibility. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for our latest stories and motivational pictures.
1: Welcome back. Time now for a Growing Boulder classic. And this one, folks, required a pretty deep dive into the GB Wayback Machine. We interviewed Gordy Shields in 2006 when he was 88. We sought him out when we learned that he was responsible for lobbying the U.S. Cycling Federation to stop glumping all older competitors into a single age group for everyone that was 70 years and older. Gordy thought that older riders should be able to compete against others in their own age group just like those under 70 were allowed to do. He would go on to set world age group records despite suffering from a debilitating disease that made it impossible for him to walk more than 100 feet. His influence on the cycling community was so profound that he had a bridge in San Diego named after him.
4: Yeah, I was probably the only person in California To have a bridge named after him who wasn't dead. (laughs) Uh,
1: Explain to us your physical condition and and why it's a challenge for you and how you've uh, accommodated it.
4: Well, I'm looking forward to when I'm 90 so I can go after the 90-plus national record. But I still have two years before I do that.
1: He's a tiger. Gordy is a tiger. He wants the
2: 90-plus record. (laughs)
4: Let's go back, Um, though,
2: to what Mark asked you. What is wrong with your back?
4: Well, I have what's known as uh, spinal canal stenosis. It's a deterioration of the discs in the lower fourth and fifth lumbar. I've had it probably, oh, I guess around 15, 20 years. And um, it's just that um, I can't do anything much about it, but it's the thing that makes me bend over, which is actually ideal for racing bicycles. But I can't walk more than, oh, say, 100 feet before my legs say no more. Mm. But it, uh, as I say, it, it's ideal for racing bicycles.
2: Isn't that a, Mark, this is probably a guy, if you were like at the mall, you'd see him like struggle to walk by you and you'd think, oh, look at that, you know, decrepit old guy. <laughs> this guy hops on a bicycle and he sets and, records. And starts kicking
1: booty.
4: <laughs> Do you get that a lot, Gordy? No, not really. I ride a lot with younger people than I am. and There, there uh, aren't
2: many older that are riding.
4: <laughs> no, the old idea is, of course, if you cut out riding, well, you outlive them. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> and I've been working on that one.
1: Were you riding before you, you began to experience uh, the problems with your back, or did you do that because that's something you could do?
4: Well, I started when I was about 50 to ride bicycling. I had been a, a tennis nut. But I got bursitis, so I couldn't play tennis anymore. So I looked around for something that would allow me to do what I wanted to, which was uh, be competitive. And uh, and I found that racing bicycles is the, the ideal way to go.
1: How far do you go? I mean, I know there's a lot of different distances. What's, what's the optimum for you?
4: Well, I ride anywhere from 20 to 100 miles, depending on what the... Uh, What it is, well, we've got a century coming up in Palm Springs next week. In other words, a 100-mile ride. Right. That's not a race, though. It's just a ride.
2: You know, we talk a lot about ageism here. Mark is a big advocate uh, to stamp that out. And you've experienced this a lot in what you do, because I know you like to race. You want to enter whatever you can near you. But for the most part, the highest age category is like 70 and over. And when you're 88, that's not really fair, is it?
4: Well, for the first time that I can remember, the USCF has said next year in the Nationals all age groups will be by five-year increments in all venues. So,
2: Gordy, why don't you tell us a little bit about who might be partially responsible for that change? <laughs> <laughs> this has been one of your causes for a long time. It's the guy
1: who's got a bridge named after it's him, right. I'm guessing. <laughs>
4: We've been working on this one forever since I can remember belonging oh, to USCF, and uh Several other people, definitely besides myself, particularly uh, uh, Bonnie Gabriel here in San Diego, really pressured them. And finally, they came around to realizing that there are older bicyclists, and we just don't go away. I mean, we we keep racing. We want to race, but you, you can't compete uh, with 60-year-olds. You can race with them, but you can't compete with them.
1: Boy, Gordon, you obviously are so engaged in life uh, at so many different levels, competitively, uh, politically. You you still like to get up in the morning, don't
4: you? Sure, love to. (laughs) Why not? Life is a challenge and a good one.
2: You know, one of the questions I would normally ask is if you ride 20 to 100 miles, I mean, you're trained and you're riding every day. I was going to ask you, what does your wife think of this? But not only should I not ask you that, she actually likes to ride with you.
4: Well, on Sundays that's her day and mm. we she decides where we want to go and uh, how long it's going to take.
2: And how long have you two been married? 62 years.
1: Oh my great
2: god. Great
4: cook,
1: 62 years. Congratulations. That that is that is really exciting. Uh, and I'm guessing riding together has has helped keep you together, hasn't it?
4: Yeah, she's not a a bicycle nut like I am, definitely. But she supports me, and that's 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 a really an important thing. And as I say, she's a great cook, and boy, that Ooh. helps. We'll, we'll be over <laughs> for dinner,
1: Gordon. <laughs> but you know what? When we talk to people like Gordia, I, I, the people that do these amazing things, they don't think about it. They didn't sit down and plan for it. It just comes naturally to them. And and I think that's the lesson: is uh, you know, you just got to get out there and do it. If you've got to convince yourself to do it, maybe you're not going to get it done.
4: Well, it's a discipline. In other words, I consider that uh, riding my bicycle and exercising my mind and my body is a discipline, just like eating and sleeping.
2: And I guess also, Gordy, uh, it isn't unless somebody asks you how old you are that you sit down and go, holy
1: cow, when did that happen?
4: The years go by fast, I'll tell you. (laughs) They really do.
1: Do you think about your age, Gordy, when someone asks you your age, are you hesitant to say what it is? Are you proud to say what it is? Is it not an issue for you? How do do you respond to that question? It's
4: just not an issue. And when any of the people ask me a lot of times, a newcomer to the club will say, Well, Gordy, how old are you? And I'll say, I'm 88. And that's it. And everybody accepts it. And. They don't give me any particular <laughs> leads, believe me, because I'm 88. They they go after me just just the same.
1: Yeah, they know you'll run them down and uh, and kick their butts if you can.
4: Well, I'll try. They know that.
1: Well, I'll try. And therein lies the moral of the Gordy Shield story. Life is all about the trying. Passion fuels the life force. And an important key to continuing to enjoy your passions is is to adapt to your challenges, to accommodate your limitations, and like Gordy Shields, to always keep trying. When Gordy was 93, he set his final national and world cycling records. He died at the age of 95 in 2013, and he would tell anyone the greatest years of his life were from his 70s to his 90s, despite his many health challenges. The 11th annual Gordy Shields Memorial Ride will take place in San Diego in May of this year. As always, it's a 35 mile fun ride at a conversational pace on the Bayshore Bikeway and over the Gordy Shields Bridge. Until next time, keep growing Boulder.
2: The Growing Boulder Radio Show is a production of Growing Boulder LLC, all rights reserved. This program was recorded at Growing Boulder Studios in Orlando and is available as a weekly podcast on NPR One, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. It is written and produced by Jill Middleton, Mark Middleton, and Bill Schaefer. Technical director is Jason Morrow. Production manager is Michael Nanis. Chief audio engineer is Mac Dula. And our most important team member, you. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram to keep growing bolder every day.
0: Crimson flames
2: tied through my years, Going high and mighty